0: Make room for whimsy. It's Persiflage the podcast, jamming high-quality nonsense right into your ears. Ads.
1: For sale: one recently sharpened pencil, great for writing things down that you are not fully committed to. Comes with an attached pink eraser that makes a nice blackish smear of everything. Box 2H. Wanted: very small potato so small that it will not completely cover a standard Canadian dime. Don't ask why. Top dollar paid. Box 111.
0: News Roundup. Time for the News Roundup. An elderly white man in Winnipeg was arrested yesterday for impersonating a middle-aged white man. Despite being almost 60 years of age, the man insisted he was only middle-aged. When it was pointed out to him by police that in order for this to be true he would have to live to be 118 years of age, he became very unreasonable and had to be sedated. The man's name has not been released. Due to the damage to local trees caused by the recent snowstorm, city officials say that there will be a moratorium placed on the release of captured squirrels back into the wild. Fisher Waldheim, a spokesman for the squirrel population, protested the city's policy, stating that despite the housing shortage, they could manage. Squirrels would have no problem doubling or even tripling up in their accommodations, according to Waldheim, and retaining squirrels in custody indefinitely would be grossly unfair. No one from the city would respond to Waldheim. Cynthia Pitt Bellinger-Sykes, has become the first woman to win the allegedly prestigious Barchester-Wolf Prize for Limerick Poetry of the Non-Salacious Type. The Barchester-Wolf Foundation awards the prize every third year to a deserving poet, and this is the 11th award made by the Foundation. Pitt Bellinger Sykes' poem begins with the line, There was a young man from Nantucket, and ends with the half-line, if only she could pluck it. We are unable to disclose more of the poem for copyright reasons. In this episode, the shirt-sleeves philosopher, Graham Krakar, looks at the question of good and evil. Something we're all pretty interested in. Many of us, I mean human beings, have within us a number of warring impulses. Sometimes there is a separation between what we feel and what we think, and often there is a direct confrontation between what we want and what we think is right. In the cartoon world, this is often shown as an angel representing good on one shoulder and a devil representing evil on the other. This sort of thing used to really bother William Blake and may explain his intense dislike of the funnies. As they were known in the England of the Napoleonic era. Whatever Blake believed, this illustration of a fundamental dichotomy in conflict within the psyche of all of us, including the pet dogs of cartoon mice, can be useful. For understanding the behavior of some of us some of the time. The principle of evil is fairly easy to define. Evil is when we wish harm to others. Conversely, good is when we wish good for others. But let us further define our terms. Good is constituted by things that are good for us or that we like or enjoy. Evil is made up primarily of bad or awful things. What do I mean by things? Let me explain further. A thing is something which is, or can be, or might be. Such things as actual stuff or items can be things, but even feelings or ideas may be things. So, therefore, one can have a bad or awful feeling. If you cause someone else to have a bad feeling, that would constitute evil. But if you gave them a good thing, like candy, that would be good. Unless the person is diabetic, in which case that would be evil. That is, if you knew they were diabetic. If you didn't, then it would just be ignorant which is a very mild form of evil. Of course, if you gave the diabetic person sugar-free candy, or better yet, made them sugar-free cookies, then that would be good. Unless, of course, you did this so they would trust you enough to leave you alone in their house so you could rifle their belongings that would be evil so in the non-blakian model the devil on say your left shoulder the traditional shoulder of evil would be advocating the cookie strategy in your left ear and the angel on your right shoulder would be arguing that you should be spending your time working at a food bank or making little sweaters for kittens. Does that clear that up? Persiflage recognizes that representatives of PETA would not consider making sweaters for little kittens uh, good, but in fact evil. Our assumption is that Mr. Crackar is referring here to hairless kittens who are forced to live out of doors in winter and therefore need sweaters. Thank you. The following is an advertisement
1: for rent palatial estate located underneath another estate that is even more palatial than the first, and over top of an estate that could only be called palatial if you were comparing it to a doghouse or a not very nice shed. Box 1. Not everyone can be a snappy dresser. A personal style is something respected by everyone, young and old. If you feel like your look could use some sprucing up, we can help. We're the Rainbow Suspenders people. Give us a call today.
0: It's story time. The Rabbit Who Didn't Succeed. Once upon a time there was a rabbit. Now I realize that all of you know a rabbit story, but in those stories the rabbit is invariably quite accomplished. This is different. This is the story of the rabbit who didn't succeed. This rabbit was named Mike. It was not short for Michael. His parents had simply named him Mike. They just couldn't be bothered with any more syllables. They felt that one was sufficient. Both of them had single syllable names and they didn't see any need to get all fancy with multi-syllable names for their kids or kid. There was just Mike. Mike was kind of an average sort of rabbit. If you'd seen him nibbling away at your front lawn one morning, you would not have thought anything of it. Unless you are one of those people who are fanatical about maintaining their yard. Then, of course, you would have been livid. But what I'm trying to say here is that Mike would not have stood out as anything particularly special rabbit-wise if you had seen him. Mike, like many other rabbits, had certain aspirations in his personal and professional lives that he wished to see fulfilled. One of them was to become involved in an overtly sexual way with a lady rabbit. That was really his greatest personal ambition, and consequently he spent quite a bit of time thinking about it. As far as professional goals went, he really only wanted two things. First of all, or firstly, he wanted to get a job where it would at least be considered acceptable to wear a white lab coat. And second of all, or secondly, he wanted to pipette something. Now, I don't know where you went to school, so I don't know if you know what I mean when I say pipette. A pipette is a kind of tube used in a laboratory to transport a measured amount of liquid. There, actually kind of fun to use. So it's not hard for me, at least, to understand why the rabbit in question wanted to use one. Basically, I guess we could say that Mike wanted to be some sort of scientist. Now, if you or I wanted to be a scientist, we would go to school and study science-type things for a few years, and then we would go out and apply for jobs with laboratories or pharmaceutical companies or even universities. No doubt, at some point in this process, we would have to sit down at a big desk and answer the questions of some established science person. And if we didn't answer them correctly, or if we didn't sufficiently impress the aforementioned science person, we wouldn't get admitted to their school, or hired by their company. That would be the end of our science career. Well, things were no different for Mike. Mike realized that if he ever wanted to be allowed to pipette something, he was going to have to sit through one of these interviews. But Mike had a problem. Mike's problem was that he always looked alarmed. No matter what the situation, no matter how placid his surroundings, how charming his companions, no matter how unfraught with perilous circumstances, Mike looked as if he had just been informed that a psychotic axe murderer was running up behind him. He couldn't help it. He just looked that way. Now Mike was smart enough and experienced enough to know that this particular facial quirk of his was not conducive to his being allowed to pursue his science dreams. No one wants to look across the laboratory, a place where dangerous chemicals are often stored and sometimes used, and see someone who looks terrified. It is, to say the very least, bad for morale. The problem, as the rabbit saw it, was his lack of eyebrows. Eyebrows, Mike felt, lent a certain sagacity to a being. That was the reason he believed that humans often attributed more intelligence to golden retrievers than they deserved. I'm not sure he was wrong. But what to do about it? Mother Nature had not seen fit to bestow upon the Lapine race any eyebrows, and as a result, they invariably looked shocked and alarmed. How could one single rabbit change his situation? Mike thought he might have a solution. Mike thought, what is an eyebrow after all? It's just a wad of hair resting above the eye. There was nothing particularly special in that. He had lots of hair. He just didn't have big chunks of superfluous hair hanging above his eyes. All he had to do in order to gain eyebrows was to paste some of the extra hair that he'd shaved off his bum just over his eyes, and, Bob's your uncle, he would suddenly look wise and controlled and, he hoped, all sciencey. So he did, and he was immediately accepted into the chemistry program of a highly prestigious university where he started pipetting things in his very first year. He never did get laid, though. That's it. That's all. Podcast is over. Remove your headphones.